Welcome to the Womb Happy Hour with Lorraine Giordano. It's time to connect with your feminine energy center, your own body, to achieve anything that your heart desires. It's a discussion about a place you may have not discussed so much, the place down there. Now, here is your host, Lorraine Giordano. Hello and welcome. I hope you're having a healthy and peaceful day. You're listening to the Womb Happy Hour. I'm your host, Lorraine Giordano. I'd love to hear from you. Say hi or ask a question. You can like me on Facebook at inspired to health Follow me on Twitter at Inspired with the number 2 health Or connect with me on LinkedIn at Lorraine Giordano. Spelled L-O-R-R-A-I-N-E, Giordano, G-I-O-R-D-A-N-O. You can also take a moment to drop me a note on inspiredtohealth.net. So on today's episode, we're really going down there. So before we get into our lovely guest and topic, let's take a few seconds to just take a few deep breaths and direct our energy away from our head and kind of bring it back into our bodies to recenter and to direct our energy down there deep into our bodies. So take a few deep breaths, allow it to flow down past your head, past your mouth, your throat, your heart, stomach, allow this directed breath, this directed energy to rest by your sacral energy center or your womb and root area. Feels a little different, right? Okay, so I'm totally excited for our, our amazing guest today, Jen Lewis. She is an artist and her work has been displayed internationally, but she resides in Michigan with her husband. And she is a creative force behind Beauty and Blood. And so uh, her husband, Rob Lewis, isn't on the show. But a shout out to him for being a co-creator with Jen of Beauty and Blood. And for those who are not familiar with Beauty and Blood, we're going to do a deep dive into the bloody details. But at a high level, it's a bold and courageous project related to menstruation and the female body, which I think is so important right now for where we are in 2017. So I highly recommend you check out Jen Lewis's website at beautyandblood.com to check out her amazing artwork. And you can also connect with her on Facebook at Beauty in Blood and follow her on Twitter at Beauty in Blood US. So Jen, hello. Hi. Hi, great to have you on the show. How are you today? Thank you so much for having me. I'm doing really well. It's uh, been a really good day, so <laughs> I'm excited to talk. Awesome. Um, so I think what you're doing is so inspiring and so important. And I think even the title of your project, your work, Beauty and Blood, it is so powerful. And so what I find interesting the more I do this show and the more I work with my clients is that people do have some sort of uh, moment. Let's say for me, it was when my, when my doctor told me I'd have to have a hysterectomy to, you know, I'd have to lose my uterus where I kind of really appreciated my periods and my menstruation. It all of a sudden became like, rather than an enemy, I was like, I don't want to lose it. So for me, that was my moment. 
But if you can tell, um, if you can tell us, how did you come up with the idea for Beauty and Blood? What was your sense of inspiration? Oh, I'd love to tell you because it's sort of in the same um, vein as what you were saying and that personal awakening and having it be something just completely unexpected. And what happened for me was I was at work one day and I went to the bathroom and I unexpectedly had, um, I heard a splash in the toilet below me and I was really surprised because I wasn't menstruating and there wasn't any reason I would be expecting that. And so I looked in the toilet and I discovered a tampon had fallen out. Um, And it was really surprising. Yeah, my cycle had ended about a week and a half, two weeks prior. And so this was clearly the very last tampon I'd used, but somehow I just lost track of it. And I was so mortified and embarrassed and it was I'd never really given much thought to my period before this had happened. And I knew to be a little bit worried because I knew about toxic shock. And I sort of, I really questioned whether or not I wanted to tell the doctor because I was so embarrassed. Like, you just don't hear very often of people doing this. And I eventually sort of sucked it up and called my doctor. And I saw her. And everything was fine medically. But she introduced me to the menstrual cup. And that combination of having, like, being forced to talk about something that was a taboo and scary to me with my physician and learning about the menstrual cup, those were two things that completely changed my relationship with my period. And the key thing to keep in mind with the menstrual cup is it actually forces you to have sort of a different relationship with your body when you're menstruating. And you begin to see your menses in a completely different light. There's, it's not being absorbed into a tampon or a pad. And so it has a different color. It has different textures. And you're able to sort of interact with it on a completely different basis. And so here was this part of life that, you know, I never really paid much attention to and just sort of thought was gross and inconvenient. And by making this switch, I just changed my entire perspective on it. Yeah, and did you have some hesitations about using the menstrual cup? Did you think that it was kind of um, harder to use, or what was it like when you first started? At first, I was a little hesitant because it's a completely different size, shape, and material than I was ever familiar with, and so there was a little concern there, but my physician was very enthusiastic about it. I did some research, and it seemed like a reasonable thing to try, and what was interesting is I took to it really fast. It's a totally different interaction with your body because, you know, you actually have to insert the cup and touch yourself in ways that you don't with like a tampon. Um, And so there's a learning curve with it. It needs to be seated in a very specific way in the vagina and it needs to seal. Um, So there is a learning curve, but I immediately just loved it and preferred it to anything I'd used in the past. And so... I sort of wanted to tell other menstruators about that because it was such an exciting discovery that, you know, normally you don't hear much about. And bravo to you for wanting to share that. (laughs) Thanks. I always feel a little bit like a weirdo, but that's kind of the important part of tackling all the taboos is just really, you know, being willing to put your foot out there a little. Yeah, or a lot. But (laughs) it's so so important, though, because even... 
uh, toxic shock syndrome. I think a lot of young girls or even women aren't aware of possibly the risk of having a tampon in their bodies too long. And so what are other options to avoid that? Um, and a menstrual cup is a great option to consider. Absolutely. Yeah, and the thing that was really interesting to me is just by talking about the menstrual cup, I started to learn about other alternative menstrual products. And so, you know, if the cup isn't comfortable for somebody, you know, they can always look into cloth pads or organic tampons or sea sponges. And this is a whole world of products I would have never discovered otherwise. And so it is great to be able to talk to people and sort of, shed light on this whole other method of taking care of their bodies. And it's great that it changes your relationship with what happens to you on a monthly basis. Women bleed like we bleed. And so there's such a taboo still about blood. Like people are fine with seeing it on TV, but to see it on your hands or to see it in a menstrual cup or whatever, there's still a bit of taboo with that. Right. And it's a shame because like you can actually physically tell different health issues with your body just by being able to see the quantity, the consistency and the color. And so that was really important to me as I was moving forward with the art project and thinking about it, you know, as being able to appreciate and sort of um, actually observe those differences in my own body. And did you notice over time differences to the color, let's say, of your blood? Or um, Personally, I didn't, but I was informed when I started um, working with the Society for Menstrual Cycle Research that um, menstruators with endometriosis, they would be seeing a different color. And so rather than the red that I was seeing, they might see something that was more of a brownish color and it might have a different consistency. And I think that sort of awareness brought a new level to why actually making a visual art and a representation of what menstruation looks like sort of became important to me. Yes. And as someone with endometriosis, I mean, I, I see a very big difference in my blood now, but back in the day when I didn't know I had endometriosis, I was just like, oh, my blood's kind of darker because I'm getting older or I just kind of didn't pay attention to it. Right. And I've heard that from a lot of different menstruators. I had a really interesting conversation with another woman who uh, had an excessive bleeding issue. And it wasn't until she was in the perimenopausal phase that that started. And so, you know, I think it's interesting to look at the whole menstruating, you know, cycle through life, because we don't really get to see the kind of granular detail or even talk about it. Which is why your artwork is so important. So we're going to go to a break in a minute but you know it's so important for us to learn how you make your art what's your process and go ahead oh I was gonna say that's great I'd be happy to tell you we've had a few different techniques so it's kind of fun to talk about yes so on that note we're going to take a two-minute break and we'll talk to you on the flip side us on Twitter at VoiceAmericaTRN. Get the lowdown on guests, new shows, and your favorites. That's VoiceAmericaTRN. 
Visit inspiredtohelp.net for help in feeling more grounded, centered, and relaxed using different energy healing tools. Lorraine Giordano works with women and men in person or via Skype or telephone sessions. You can sign up for a single session or try one of our discounted multi-session packages. We also offer three levels of Reiki classes. Find out more at inspiredtohelp.net. You can even book Lorraine for a workshop or speaking event. Visit inspiredtohelp.net today. Do you get a little nervous or hesitate to discuss topics down there that aren't talked about often? We hear you. Or are you curious to look at frequently discussed topics from a different perspective? Visiting inspiredtohelp.net opens up a whole world of discussion that you may not have known even existed. Lorraine Giordano offers a form of open and frank discussion about those seemingly unmentionable topics down below. Visit now, inspiredtohelp.net. Opinions, options, answers. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. are listening to the womb happy hour to reach lorraine giordano her guest or if you have a comment on the show please call in to 1-866-472-5792 that's 1-866-472-5792 or send an email to info at inspiredtohealth.net now back to the womb happy hour hello and welcome back this is the Womb Happy Hour, and I'm your host, Lorraine Giordano, and we are very excited to continue our convo with Jen Lewis, the creator of Beauty and Blood. Um, and we, before we broke, we just were going to get into Jen's art process. But one thing to note, like for anyone who's new, who's a little bit maybe even squeamish about their menstrual blood, I mean, if you think about it, our menstrual blood, it's so tied into our state of health. Um, so even whether you want to have a baby or not, it, it's related. Whether you're going through menopause or not, it's related. So this taboo about blood, there's more awareness and it's opening up a bit, but there still needs to be a lot more conversation and a lot more engagement because there's nothing to be ashamed about. It's like half the population of the world bleeds all the time. So it's okay. All right. I just had to say that. So Jen, um, you were talking about we were getting into what is the process that you make your art. How did you come with come up with this process? So um, it's a little, um, I think, intuitive because I use the cup. And so one of the things that was the most important to sort of linking um, my menstrual fluid to the art making process is the physical act of standing over the toilet and actually pouring the cup out. And so um, for people who don't know what a menstrual cup looks like it's about I don't know the size and roughly the shape of like a shot glass but it's silicon so it's flexible and I have a history of art background and one day when I was actually emptying my cup and just sort of watching the blood pour into the toilet I started thinking about Jackson Pollock and his action paintings back during the Mm. um, abstract expressionist movement I think that's like 1940s 1950s Um, and I was really like, oh, yeah, you know, I got kind of excited about thinking about it as a art-making process. And also at the time, I was working in an infectious diseases laboratory at the University of Michigan. So I was coming into contact on a daily basis with bio art, you know, um, cells and research processes being captured and 
turned into wall art and calendars and journals. Um, and I mentioned that because I'm not sure I would have made the leap otherwise. You know, I think it was the combo of action painting with bio art that sort of made me have that light bulb moment. And so when Rob and I first started making Beauty and Blood, we were actually doing it in real time. And so at the end of a 10 or a 12 hour session with my cup, I would remove it and let him know. And then he would run into our bathroom and set up a tripod and um, construction lights. And we would work in a fashion that was very similar to how I would just be emptying the cup in everyday life. Um, Eventually, we sort of realized the pictures weren't as dynamic as we wanted. And he did some research and devised this alternative way of taking photos. And that's using a small aquarium. And so Uh. we have a really, uh, I think it's like maybe a five or a 10 gallon tank, um, really nice flat clear glass so we're able to sort of shoot head on and watch the blood as it falls from the top of the tank to the bottom and um, just through trial and error we discovered changing up the water that was in the tank would make a difference and so we use a salt water fresh water combo and so the salt water changes the density which causes the blood to move in a, um, at a different rate so it sort of slows it down and makes it easier to photograph um, and again, we were doing that for the most part in real time. Um, and so I mentioned that because there's a difference between, you know, warm from the body. And then, um, the last phase that we've had recently is storing my menstrual fluid up and using it to photograph when we have the time rather than doing it during my cycle. Um, and so we're working with the menstrual fluid cold. Um, and so all of these factors change the consistency and the weight of the menstrual fluid. And that's sort of what accounts for the variety of images that we've gotten since we started the project. That's so fascinating and so creative. Yeah. And, you know, I really like to sort of just look around like what I have at home and see like, well, can I use that? You know, I wonder what that would do with the menstrual fluid. Would that be helpful in the water? And so, you know, I use a lot of like utensils, um, like chopsticks are really great or a fork because you have those multiple tines to move the fluid and sort of, it gives me, you know, ways to manipulate it. And would you say, I mean, I had a huge amount of disdain for my blood, but I had that wake up moment and I think it's just amazing and so powerful. Do you have a certain, have you, has your reverence grown for your menstrual blood as time has gone on with your project? Absolutely. I feel like I went through a phase where I was like, yes, this is so powerful. And, you know, we really need to look at it in a different way um, and just having that reverence for it. And now I feel very like sort of matter of fact and scientific and, you know, more interested in, in what embracing you know, our menstrual flow means to our lives in a health fashion. Like I'm really interested in it sort of medically. Um, But I do feel like it's a bigger part of my life and I'm much more aware of it. And I think that awareness is helpful because I talk to people about it a lot. Just sort of, it's become so second nature to me. Like I almost forget the taboos there. Which is really cool. <laughs> Especially if you're talking to someone who still who feels a bit taboo about it, it kind of helps to shift it to kind of make it okay to talk about, it, I think. Yeah, and I had a really interesting experience this week where I mentioned it to some my to some of my coworkers at my day job and it 
initially had like this really great like icebreaker moment and we came up with a community service idea that we really liked and then I kept talking about it and I could just see like other people were like, no, we've gotten into weird now. And I was like, shoot, my taboo <laughs> busting went south. <laughs> baby steps, baby steps. Exactly. Like I sort of forget like, oh, I'm so far into this. Like, you know, it's sort of nothing's off limits now. <laughs> um, I think what's cool though, and what I think is important to making menstruation less taboo is the inclusion of the fellas guys like your husband so that's so cool that he's with you and working on this and open to it he's a keeper right I mean yeah absolutely like um you know and I always like to tell people about his background because he was a skateboarder and so he's got like a natural comfort with blood and things like outside the body that shouldn't be um just from the sheer accident rate with that um but he's made some really interesting insights and I feel like he does shift the conversation in a different way for um, men and just sort of what does it mean to be a partner, um, you know, thinking in sort of just the heteronormative, um, you know, lane. Um, and he's made some really nice comments at conferences. He's very supportive and he wants me to sort of take the front line, but his role in it is very important. And I've heard from other friends that they've sort of like caught their husbands or their male partners looking at the photos on the computer at home and like they blow them up sort of like they would a centerfold or porn or so, you know, like <laughs> just sort of with that like intensity and that curiosity and being like so into it, like they've been discovered or caught looking at something. And it's really cool to think that there's, you know, sort of the next level that we've hit in this progression and, um, non-menstruators, you know, taking a different perspective and role in menstruation. Yeah. And so um, for those who are, you know, have that curiosity and want to check out your work, if they're, let's say they're online right now looking at your website, as they look, like, why do this? Like, what's the message? What's, what's your message in doing this? So... The whole purpose um, for me doing this is I really want to shift people's perspective on menstruation. I want them to like go to the images with the idea of like, this is sick, it's gross, and I don't want any part of it. And to look at the pure elements and just sort of take note of the color, the texture, you know, this otherworldly quality of what those abstract images are, and really let them separate from the social prescription that we've been given about menstruation, you know, to really question why they think it's gross. Um, You know, that's the moment I had when I was using a menstrual cup and I actually got blood on my fingers and I was just sort of like, I don't, I don't get this, you know, like if I look around pop culture, like we're inundated and we voluntarily take part in a lot of bloody things, you know, horror movies, um, bloodlust sports, um, action films, um, just all of those things. And like, what is it about, you know, menstruation considering blood is I think one of the smaller fractions in menstrual fluid. Like, why is this so gross? And so that's sort of how I want people to go to the pictures and then be surprised and just be like, wow, there really is something, you know, when you separate from what you've been taught to think about menstruation in the body. Um, you know, like I said, I spent time at the hospital and in research center. So I'm really comfortable looking at the body as art, um, separate from the male gaze. And I 
like people to sort of um, start moving in that perspective towards menstrual fluids specifically. And do you think, uh, you know, there is a global awareness going on um, and your work's been shown internationally, which is awesome. Um, have, have you noticed your work being received differently in other countries or the conversation being somewhat different or what's your uh, perspective on that? You know, I feel like the conversation's always the same. Um, for me, seeing people from other countries, it feels very brave to me for somebody to take the subject matter on and build an exhibition around it or to start the conversation. You know, I don't, it just feels exceptionally brave on anyone's part. Um, and it's been really interesting to see like the different ways um local artists and international shows how they're working with menstruation and so art's so you know sort of regional and specific to the community that's making it so it's been interesting to see the different ways um, and messages that people want to send about menstruation through visual art Um, I'm thinking specifically of like a show that was in Sweden there was an artist who used a mannequin and put like it was very kitschy, but like wine poured through the vagina and like this very like bloody scene. And it was just like, Oh, okay. And, um, that's interesting to see that that's, you know, the commentary there. Um, so yeah, it's just, it's really different. It's been interesting to see the different ways people do it. I feel like I'm more familiar with people in North America who are working with menstrual art. Makes sense. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> now, do you find, do people challenge you on what you're doing? Do you ever get someone that's like, ah, why are you doing that? That's gross. Or do you ever, do you ever hear uh, that kind of feedback? I have gotten some of that. Um, for the most part, people really are supportive and interested and even if they maybe don't understand abstract art overall or bio art overall um, there's usually a point in the conversation where they can sort of concede the point that they kind of understand why menstruation is important as a topic Um, you know and for me there's something you know this isn't to me like looking at the naked body it's very sort of objective like menstrual fluid is what it is Um, and so I don't really take that kind of Um, negative or non-supportive commentary very personally so it feels very easy to engage in a dialogue when people aren't interested like that it's like no I get it that's you know (laughs) it's not for everybody yeah but you never know how a seed's planted as well absolutely absolutely which I guess is the point too and what I also think is kind of fascinating is that um, you know in ancient customs women or they drank their blood as a as a sense of maintaining their health. And so, um, you know, there's research being done right now where rather than doing stem cell research, scientists are looking at menstrual blood to kind of maybe possibly help cure diseases. And so rather than think it's kind of a throwaway, <laughs> like a, yeah. or a nuisance, uh, it's really something of a powerful fluid (laughs) that rests in women's bodies yeah that's I remember hearing I think Jermaine Greer said something about you know you're not 
really a feminist until you taste your own menstrual fluid. And, you know, I feel like that's that modern connection to it as well. Yeah. And it is fascinating to see that ancient thought sort of being carried through in a different way. And on that note, we're going to take a two minute break and we'll be back shortly. Think you've seen everything there is to see in online television? Let us surprise you. Visit voiceamerica.tv today for sports, health, business, and more on demand 24-7. Visit inspiredtohelp.net for help in feeling more grounded, centered, and relaxed using different energy healing tools. Lorraine Giordano works with women and men in person or via Skype or telephone sessions. You can sign up for a single session or try one of our discounted multi-session packages. We also offer three levels of Reiki classes. Find out more at inspiredtohealth.net. You can even book Lorraine for a workshop or speaking event. Visit inspiredtohealth.net today. Do you get a little nervous or hesitate to discuss topics down there that aren't talked about often? We hear you. Or are you curious to look at frequently discussed topics from a different perspective? Visiting inspiredtohealth.net opens up a whole world of discussion that you may not have known even existed. Lorraine Giordano offers a form of open and frank discussion about those seemingly unmentionable topics down below. Visit now, inspiredtohealth.net. Your life, your health, your network. You're listening to Voice America Health and Wellness. You are listening to the Womb Happy Hour. To reach Lorraine Giordano, her guest, or if you have a comment on the show, please call in to 1 866 472 5792. That's 1 866 472 5792. Or send an email to info at inspiredtohealth.net. Now back to the Womb Happy Hour. Hello and welcome back. This is Lorraine Giordano, host of the Womb Happy Hour. We are talking to Jen Lewis from Beauty and Blood. We were just talking. I highly recommend, if you haven't done it yet, to take a moment and to check out Jen's website, www.beautyandblood.com. And... um, Take a moment to check out some of her work because it really is inspiring and it's thought provoking. It might change your per- perspective on, you know, how you're dealing with menstrual blood or maybe your partner's menstrual blood, wherever it might be. But it's definitely worth checking out. Hi, Jen. Welcome back. Thank you. Um, I wanted to ask you about some of the... What are your thoughts on some of the things that are going on recent, like menstruating in prison? I think there's more awareness about women in prison and providing them at least additional products to use. Um, Any of the trans or intersex menstruation challenges? Yeah, I think. I think these are such important issues that are such big parts of menstruators' lives, and they've gone, you know, sort of unnoticed in the pop culture for so long. It's been really inspiring and just sort of amazing to see what kind of press it's getting and the different efforts people are doing. Um, Thinking about 
that specifically and your intro, one of the more inspiring and sort of eye-opening interactions I've had because of the artwork was with an intersex person who had contacted me and um, they'd struggled their whole life with their menstrual cycle because it didn't fit with um, their gender and it just created so many complications and just being able to pause and sort of look at the art and be like oh that actually has given me a new perspective on my own personal cycle and so it was great that that person reached out but by them talking to me, it sort of opened my eyes to this whole other part of the gender nonconforming, the nine binary bodies, like all of the bodies that menstruate. And so I think that part of the conversation is sort of what's caught the majority of my attention sort of globally with, um, you know, shining light on the taboo is this whole idea that, you know, not all menstruators are women and not all women menstruate. Um, and so I think that's just sort of, it was sort of like a mind bend, like putting that into perspective and shining that light onto menstruation as a whole. Um, so I think that part of like current culture has been really interesting and captivating to me personally. Um, I'm trying to think of some of the other things. It's just, there's so many pieces with every culture that come out. I feel like when I talk to people and that is also just sort of amazing and looking at the current climate that there are that many issues around (laughs) the menstrual cycle that we could talk about. Yes. So what's kind of cool though, is that menstrual art is becoming more and more popular. Um, So are there any favorites or how do you how do you see menstrual art kind of evolving for where from where we are now? Um, you know, there's so many people have different things to say about what their cycle means to them and sort of how they want to impact society. And it's I don't know that menstrual art's ever going to occupy that big of a slice sort of in the art historical canon but I think it has a really nice arc and we can see a nice progression from the way the feminist artists in the 60s and 70s like Judy Chicago and Carolee Schneeman um, what they were adding and what they wanted people to know about their experiences to what we're seeing now um, I think one of the more important pieces was Rupi Kaur. Um, I believe she's from Canada. She had the shot of the woman wearing sweatpants that had a little stain on the butt. And that sort of scandalized social media. Um, and I like that's a favorite for me just because of like the sheer wave and the impact she was able to have and all of the conversations she endured with those social media companies and the censorship. Um, And so that's great. Um, I mentioned the Society for Menstrual Cycle Research earlier. And in 2015, I had the opportunity to actually curate a little exhibit for their conference. And that wasn't that little. It was pretty big. It it was, yeah, (laughs) it was kind of big in scope (laughs) because there's so many people working and you're just like, wow, how do you pick? There's so many great things to talk about, whether it's, you know, endometriosis and the diagnosis of it and what it's like to be a menstruator going through that entire process versus um, there was an artist in Wisconsin, uh, Jessica Larson, who was doing these really big, um, 
images of used maxi pads and I they were I think embroidered or cross stitch and it was just like that was a favorite for sure like I don't know that those get shown very often but I know she's one of my personal favorites um and you know I think there's a lot of young and up and coming artists that we're going to see sort of making waves across Huffington Post and Vice and those sort of outlets um so I think we're going to continue to see some really fun creations that way I think so. And social media is helping, I think, because it's just a lot of women are just putting it out there. Yeah. Um, And, you know, I always like to talk about there was one father from Guatemala who um, he wanted to participate in the art show in Boston. And he's a graffiti artist down there. And he really wanted to participate, but his wife was breastfeeding. And so she wasn't menstruating. Um, So that's an interesting like thing that I learned um, just from contact. Like I didn't realize that if you were breastfeeding, you probably weren't menstruating. I don't know why I never thought of that. Um, But he wanted to participate and really make his own commentary on what it was like to be a man in the life of menstruators and see like the effects of their chauvinistic society on his wife and his young daughter. And so he ended up asking other women in their community if he could have some of their blood to paint with. And it was a whole ordeal down there. Wow. Um, Yeah. So I always like to mention him. (laughs) And just like, you know, there are a lot of people who have something to say about how the taboo impacts their lives. And then taking that step outside, right? Just to kind of present it in a different way to kind of open it up. Yeah, and I think he had mentioned that he'd sort of been branded like a social deviant for even asking other people down there, um, other menstruators for their blood. Like, I mean, he really went all out. Um, And so, yeah, just... Very cool on his part. Yeah. (laughs) Brave. Yeah. (laughs) Just about the show that you put together, widening the cycle, a menstrual cycle and reproductive justice art show. I think it was a significant show, and I think it was very eye-opening, provocative, thought-provoking, and um, beautiful. You. Yeah, you did. You did a fantastic job. Thanks. And it was great to hear all the you know the people on the panel that get there. Um, you know, what inspired them for their work. I think that was really valuable as well. It was. um, That I feel like so proud and excited. I was able to actually show the art, but also host a panel where the artists got to speak in front of, uh, you know, experts in their field, like psychologists, sociologists, um, all sorts of different menstrual health advocates and um, academics. And, you know, the things that people learn from their perspectives and their insights, it was just awesome. You know, I always think of uh, Kyle, who um, their menstrual cycle caused a lot of mental health issues. And by trying to get assistance through the medical community, they learned that there wasn't really a good structure to help um, psychologists and physicians talk about the menstrual cycle and uh, being people who are gender non-conforming. And I had some of our, you know, big researchers come up to me afterwards and actually comment on that being something they'd never really thought too deeply about and how it was really eye-opening. Um, and so to see a young artist like that and be able to give them a platform, you know, to really 
inspire and spark thoughts and the big wigs in the field was so amazing. Yes. Yay. Yeah. <laughs> so what's next for Beauty and Blood? What, what are your long-term goals, visions for the project? Well, I really want to go back to the original idea in this. I really wanted to do sort of a visual analysis of all bodies that menstruate and sort of set it up as, you know, almost a visual comparison, you know, what does a new menstruator's menstrual or what does a new menstruator's fluid look like as compared to somebody who's menopausal or perimenopausal or, um, you know, what does that color difference look like from medical condition to medical condition? Um, you know, and I like the idea of including trans and intersex people as well. And, you know, what does their cycle, what does it look like? What do hormones do to that? Does it make a difference? Um, you know, I feel like overall we know so little about everybody's menstrual cycles. And it just, I really like the idea of being able to do macro photography and, show those differences and help people sort of progress their thinking about the body in that way. Yes. So do you need, um, I guess you would need additional samples, right? From people? I do. I, I do. And they're very hard to come across. <laughs> um, it's complicated to work with because it is a technical medical biohazard. And so, um, you know, I'm always sort of joking, like, I'd love to find somebody with a research lab or somebody who also has an interest in menstrual health and perhaps has access to patients who might be willing to, you know, loan me a little menstrual fluid for photography. Um, I haven't found anybody to take me up on it, but that's always the long-term goal. I have a few friends who've been donating samples and, um, we're looking forward to working with those and seeing how that sort of compares and if we get a different aesthetic than we've already displayed. All right. So before we go to break, let's set an intention, a, a call to action for anybody listening. If anyone yeah. has some ideas, right, or wants to share their blood, please contact Jen. Yes. <laughs> and so check out her site and you can contact her at beautyandblood.com and you can find her on Facebook Beauty and Blood, and on uh, Twitter at Beauty and Blood US. So I guess for those out there, help out. This is a valuable project. And on that note, we'll take a break and we'll be back in two minutes. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Visit InspiredToHelp.net for help in feeling more grounded, centered, and relaxed using different energy healing tools. Lorraine Giordano works with women and men in person or via Skype or telephone sessions. You can sign up for a single session or try one of our discounted multi-session packages. We also offer three levels of Reiki classes. Find out more at InspiredToHelp.net. You can even book Lorraine for a workshop or speaking event. Visit InspiredToHelp.net today. Do you get a little nervous or hesitate to discuss topics down there that aren't talked about often? We hear you. Or are you curious to look at frequently discussed topics from a different perspective? Visiting InspiredToHelp.net opens up a whole world of discussion that you may not have known even existed. 
Lorraine Giordano offers a form of open and frank discussion about those seemingly unmentionable topics down below. Visit now, inspiredtohealth.net. Your life, your health, your network. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. are listening to the womb happy hour to reach lorraine giordano her guest or if you have a comment on the show please call in to 1-866-472-5792 that's 1-866-472-5792 or send an email to info at inspiredtohealth.net now back to the womb happy hour hi everybody this is lorraine giordano host of the womb happy hour uh, we are talking to Jen Lewis from Beauty and Blood. Prior to break, Jen was talking about her long-term goals, her next steps for her Beauty and Blood project, and she's looking for some menstrual fluid. So if you happen to, she's in Ann Arbor, Michigan. So if you happen to know any gynecologists around there or um, anyone, if you're listening, if you want to donate some some of your menstrual blood, please contact contact Jen. Right, Jen? (laughs) Yeah, thank you. Yeah, we definitely have to talk, you know, a little bit about details and health issues. But yeah, if you happen to have any thoughts on how to, you know, take the project to the next level, I'd love to hear from you. That'd be great. Um, So before we wrap in a few minutes, let's start. Well, let's go back to where we started. Mm -hmm. How the menstrual cup changed your life. Yeah, I... The thing, the thing that really I think it opened and sparked in me was one a creativity. Um, I'm not a classically trained artist, so I don't have another medium that I work in. Um, it's important to emphasize that I work in front of the camera, actually using the blood to make designs in the water, and my husband is the photographer. Um, and so I've always been interested in the arts and visual media, and I, it, this was just sort of a way for me to tap into that creativity. Um, it's also, through the art project, sort of given me an avenue to a sort of courage and activism I hadn't experienced in any other facet of my life. And I don't know that I would necessarily have had that had I not had that awful, embarrassing incident with a tampon and receiving the suggestion of a menstrual cup and actually liking it as a product for menstrual hygiene um, or menstrual management. So I think that's really how the cup changed my life was by bringing those into it. And by that, it's kind of rippled out in pretty cool ways. It has. Um, you know, I've never really been big on talking in big groups. Um, I've always been really talkative, but not really in sort of a public fashion. And it's, you know, forced me and allowed me to really train and work my muscle doing like public speaking for small groups, which, you know, that's a pretty big step for, you know, somebody who might be shy or not really like an on stage personality. So it's been really great and instrumental in developing some new facets. Expansive. Yeah. So I am not a menstrual cup user. Um, when you said I was you like the cloths, I like the cloths, and um, 
I still use organic pads. Um, when I was diagnosed with um, endometriosis in 2008, I decided that I wanted to have a clear passage for my blood to flow. And so I didn't want anything um, inside there. So yeah. that was just a personal choice, and that's what I went with. But, um, you know, I think what's great, and you, you touched on this earlier, is that there are a lot of different options. And I think tampons, um, it's not to poo-poo tampons, but there is risk with tampons as far as toxic shock syndrome. And so the fact that you had, thank goodness, nothing happened to you for having a tampon stuck up there so long. Right. Um, but um, there is a risk of um, getting a serious infection called toxic shock syndrome that women still get. I think there was a concept, perception that doesn't exist anymore, but women are still getting it. Young girls are still getting it. And um, it, it could be life-threatening, and it could be very debilitating. So um, I think menstrual cups are a great alternative if that feels right for you it's also good for um it's cheaper right than tampons or pads it's a more expensive upfront cost but it's cheaper in the long run i've heard that the cups uh last up to about 10 years and so as long as you clean them and take care of them i think in the long run it does end up having a smaller carbon footprint and a definite impact positively on your budget You know, and I think the other thing for people to keep in mind, we don't, you know, for the most part, we don't talk much about these products. And I think there's an assumption that tampons are cotton. And, you know, that's just not the case. And so I feel like, you know, that's an important part of the conversation as well. Like, it's not about this is good or this is bad. It's about taking an active interest in being a consumer about what goes in and near your body in that fashion. Um, Because it's such an absorbable area as well. Absolutely. It's very sensitive. And if those materials aren't natural or if there's any, you know, carcinogens or, you know, dyes or, you know, who knows, you know, it's just, yeah, it's a very sensitive area. You know, And I just don't think we should sort of be brushing it off in the way a lot of times we do because we're taught, you know, it's embarrassing, it's dirty, whatever, just ignore it. It won't be so bad. Um and just and get so, the products that everybody else gets at the pharmacy. Right, right. Like, you've only heard about X and Y brands, so that's all you get. Or, like, that's what your mom taught you. Like, no, there's plenty of other things, and it's a good time to sort of think critically about what you're putting in your body. Right, because at the end of the day, I think it's so important to talk about menstruation and everything that happens down there in our female reproductive organ area. Because um, it's connected to everywhere else. So it's not, you know, we tend to, I guess, traditional Western medicine kind of boxes and boxes certain areas up. But especially with our periods, it's all connected. Our hormones, um, our thyroid, our digestive yeah. process, our heart, like it's all connected. So um, it's yeah, really absolutely. important to, to do that kind of research. So do you have any, yes, so do you have, let's say, three um, womb wisdom tips for the audience? 
Um, you know, I always like to give people little calls to action. Um, so I guess those would be my womb tips. And one is um, menstrual outing. I always like to advocate for people to talk about their menstrual cycle in whatever way is actually comfortable to them. You know, if that's acknowledging that you don't feel well, that's good. Or just letting somebody know that you're menstruating. You know, those are nice baby steps to um, a more positive relationship with your menstrual cycle. Um, the other would be um, to keep in mind just to be, you know, inclusive and sensitive that not all bodies that menstruate are women and not all women menstruate. Um, I think that has a nice impact. And the other is try a menstrual cup. All right. You know, or try an alternative <laughs> product of some kind, you know, like just, you know, get outside the box and, you know, do something healthy for your body. Get outside the box, literally, and figure yes. out. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and on, on that note, Jen, I'd like to thank you so much for being a part of the Womb Happy Hour and for sharing beauty and blood with us. Thank you so much for inviting me. It's been really fun to talk to you, and I hope it's been educational for the listeners. I think so. Thank you so much, and thank you, everyone, for listening. And if you'd like to, and again, I highly recommend it for you to uh, check out Jen's work. So her website is beautyinblood.com, and connect with her on Facebook, um, because what she's working on is very unique and special. So on Facebook, you can find her at Beauty in Blood, and on Twitter, you can follow her at Beauty in Blood U.S., And you'll have to come back on the show, Jen, as the project evolves and we'll touch base down the road. That would be great. Yes. So thanks again. And on next week's show, Laura Lacey will be talking to us about massage and healing touch. Um, And she's an expert on prenatal massage. And her tagline is bump baby and beyond. So thank you, everyone, for listening. If you'd like to connect with me, you can... Like me on Facebook, Inspired to Health. Follow me on Twitter at Inspired to Health. And check out my website, inspiredtohealth.net. Thank you so much um, for this time. And I'm your host, Lorraine Giordano, and you're listening to the Womb Happy Hour. And we'll be back next week. Take some time to connect down there and send a little love to your, your womb area. Thanks, everybody. Thank you for joining us for the womb happy hour be sure to tune in again for another edition featuring your host lorraine giordano next wednesday at 3 p.m pacific time 6 p.m eastern time on the voice america health and wellness channel have an excellent week